0: Today's guest is part of one of the most iconic families in American history. Not one to shy away from the fight for justice, he has spent a career on the front line taking on big pharma and other corporations that act with impunity. For over 30 years, he has served as an attorney for top environmental groups going toe-to-toe with big corporate giants. More recently, he's questioned the safety of vaccines and seeks to provide a balanced outlook in an increasingly censored world. I'm both happy and excited to have Mr. Robert Kennedy Jr. with us today. Mr. Kennedy, how are you? How are you, Good to see you. Good to see you as well, I'm excellent. Thank you, thank you. All right, so my first question for you, Mr. Kennedy, I would like for you to tell us about your documentary that I learned of recently. I believe that came out last month, if I'm not mistaken. Yes? Uh, The Medical
1: racism Documentary. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a documentary that I worked on with an extraordinary group of people, mainly African-American director and, and a number of you know historians detailing the history of medical experimentation on blacks in America and, and in Africa, and, and particularly the experimentation with vaccination. My uncle, Teddy Kennedy, played a key role in 1973 in ending the Tuskegee experiment. There was a whistleblower inside of CDC called Peter Buxin, and as you know, the Tuskegee experiment began in the 1930s when a number of 600 black sharecroppers from Alabama who had syphilis were recruited to a CDC study. They were told that they didn't have syphilis. They were told that they would get free hot meals and free medical uh, treatment if they periodically attended this clinic, and then the medical community at that time, CDC wanted to, they didn't know what would happen to people if you just let syphilis go with no treatment. Part of the reason was they had been treating syphilis with mercury since Greek, since Athens time. Mm. And it was very, very hard to distinguish whether certain symptoms that were associated with syphilis, whether they were from the mercury toxicity or from the syphilis. And so they wanted to see what was actually, they wanted to actually characterize the disease. And the way they did that was to say, we're gonna get these black sharecroppers and we're gonna just let them die of syphilis. We're gonna see what the syphilis does when you don't treat it at all. And in 1940, When World War II started, or 41, virtually all of those sharecroppers wanted to join the military because anything was better than continuing to be a sharecropper in Alabama. A CDC, which had roots in the military, went to the Pentagon and said, don't allow any of them in because one of the first things that you do when you join the military is they give you a check for venereal disease. It's called short arm inspection, Mm -hmm. and then they would treat you. And they wanted to make sure they didn't get treated. And then in 47, when penicillin was invented, penicillin cured syphilis in a week. They made sure that none of those sharecroppers got penicillin. And they kept them sick. There was, their wives were infected. Their children were infected. And they kept them sick until 1973, a whistleblower who was running around like crazy saying, I can't believe they're doing this complained to his boss as he was silenced he finally walked into my uncle's office who was chairman of the senate health committee and my uncle was outraged and had hearings on it and closed down the experiment so I was you know I knew about this and was curious about it from when I was a kid in 1996 Clinton finally apologized to the first public apology and he promised that and CDC promised it would never happen again, but at that time CDC was conducting very similar experiments using an experimental flu shot that was deadly to girls, and they were experimenting in in Cameroon in Africa, in Haiti, and in South Central Los Angeles, all on black children, and they weren't telling the moms in South Central Los Angeles that you're getting an experimental vaccine and. And of course, you know, a lot of girls died and they weren't compensated. And then in 2014, a whistleblower came out of CDC, Dr. William Thompson, the senior vaccine safety scientist at CDC. And he said that CDC had done a a major study called DeStefano et al., which had been published in 2004, that said that vaccines were not causing autism. The MMR vaccine was not causing autism. And what he revealed is that when they actually looked at the data, that black boys who got that vaccine on time, that means before 36 months of age, before three years of age, had a 350% greater chance of getting autism than black boys who waited or general population. Wow. And that CDC, his boss, Frank DiStefano, and his other boss, the head of the vaccine division, Colleen Boyle, had ordered the five scientists who were involved in this study to destroy all the data on black boys and then to publish the study and pretend it didn't happen. And since then, over 200,000 black boys have gotten autism that should not have gotten it if CDC had not lied. You know, in my book on Tony Fauci, it's called The Real Anthony Fauci. A large part of that book is about his racist medical policies. He, Tony Fauci, I have a whole chapter called Dr. Fauci, Mr. Hyde, where I detail what happened after he developed AZT in the 1990s. He began trying to open up a new market for HIV drugs to children. And they did not want to experiment on white children. And the drugs were very deadly. They were chemotherapy drugs that, you know, were killing people. Mm. And so he arranged for foster homes in seven states to basically be turned over to the pharmaceutical industry to experiment on children who they made sure they did not have guardians, which is illegal, there were no parents involved, and there were no medical personnel, And instead, they were, you know, mainly Dominican immigrants who were unlikely to object and who really didn't understand what was happening, as it turns out. Yeah. They were giving these kids these very, very deadly drugs. And uh, Tony Fauci was actually called to account. There was congressional investigations in 2004. Uh, A researcher who who worked with me on this book, Celia Farber, actually discovered a graveyard in Hawthorne, New York, where a lot of these kids were disposed, bodies were disposed. At least 85 of them died during Tony Fauci's experiments. She found we don't know how many more died because the whole process was very obscure. She was able to find a graveyard in Hawthorne, New York, called Gates of Heaven, a cemetery, with a big pit in it that was covered with an astroturf carpet. And it's filled with haphazardly piled tiny little coffins with these children, many of whom were the victims of Tony Fauci's experiments. In the years after that, after 2004, he was opening up another market, which is maternal transmission of HIV. So they were trying to get women who were tested HIV positive and to make sure that the HIV was not transmitted to their babies. Mm. And they were giving them chemotherapy drugs while they're pregnant. Chemotherapy drugs are horrendously toxic. They destroy DNA, they destroy humans. Right. So the advisability of doing that, you have to be very careful. He tested it on a black woman in Tennessee who died and then his staff lied to her for years about, lied to her family for years about the cause of her death, which they knew their drug, Fauci's drug, had killed her. And then he started doing it in Africa. And I detail the carnage that he caused in Uganda from testing these drugs on mothers, many of them who did not have HIV. He was just testing the safety of the drugs whether they would kill these women or Mm. kill their babies, even those who did not have HIV. And many of the children in foster homes that they were testing did not have HIV either. So there was no benefit to them. It was completely illegal.
0: Oh my goodness. And you said this was in 2004, yes?
1: 2002 to 2004. The congressional investigation was in 2004.
0: Okay. Okay. Very good. Now it's in your belief that something similar or the same thing is going on with the COVID
1: vaccine? The problem with the COVID vaccines is, I mean, I mean there's a lot of problems with them, but it's very tough to justify the vaccines, right. Because if you look at Pfizer's study, Pfizer did a six-month study. It was supposed to be three years. They cut it off at six months. Why? the vaccine loses efficacy very very fast so that within six months it may have zero efficacy and so they needed to cut it off quickly in order to be able to force everybody to take it and justify that the vaccine does not prevent transmission so it's not going to stop the pandemic if it doesn't stop you from spreading the disease and of course, it cannot stop a pandemic. So the, the justification for mandating it is really sketchy. If you look at Pfizer's study, Pfizer stopped the study after six months and unblinded it and gave all of the people, all of the pl- people who received the placebo, they would then got the vaccine. So you can't study them anymore because everybody's now got the vaccine. But what they found was in Pfizer's own table, I think the table is S4 that they gave to FDA to get the approval. The key metric that you want to look at, Dustin, is all-cause mortality. In other words, how many people died from all causes in the vaccine group compared to the placebo group? Okay. There's 22,000 people in the vaccine group. In the six months the study lasted, 20 of them died. There's 22,000 people in the placebo group in the six months, 14 of them died. So your chance of dying in the vaccine group, if you got the vaccine were 48% higher than if you got nothing. So then you ask, well, how did they justify mandating this vaccine or approving it? Right. If your chances of survival are smaller, if you got the vaccine. Here's so how, in the vaccine group, one person died of COVID in the placebo group, two people died of the 22,000. So that's how they can claim that the vaccine is 100% effective Mm. because two is 100% of one. Right. Most people, Americans, they think we're stupid. And when they say it's 100% effective against death, Most people think, oh, that means if you get the vaccine, you have 100% chance of not getting killed. But that's not what it means. It's a metric called relative risk instead of absolute risk. And what it really means is that in order to prevent one case of COVID, they have to give 22,000 vaccines. That means that you gotta make sure that in those 22,000 vaccines, nobody gets killed by the vaccine because if even one person gets killed, you've canceled out 100% of the benefits. Well, here's what they found. In the placebo group during that six months, one person died of a heart attack. In the vaccine group, five people died of a heart attack. What that means is there's a 500% risk of dying from heart attacks if you get the vaccine compared to if you don't. And that for every one person that they save from COVID, four people will die from heart attacks. And so that's the problem. The problem is that, you know, most people think the vaccine is going to, give you a better chance of living, but in fact, the vaccine, their own data show that the vaccine is more likely to kill you than to save your life.
0: Gotcha. Thank you so much for sharing that, Mr. Kennedy. What is the motive behind this? Obviously, you know, you you have your documentary, Medical Racism. Is it strictly racism or is there a, a profit motive behind this? so much disinformation out there, right? Where people are confused. It's really seemed to have divided our nation or, or even the world for that matter. Then you have people that believe that there is a, a dark motive, right? And then you start talking about secret societies and, and all of those things.
1: Who is benefiting? We all know. Who benefits? Who's making money? It's Silicon Valley Robert Behrens, who there has been a $3.8 trillion shift in wealth
0: from the American
1: middle class to a small group of billionaires. And they, most of those are the Silicon Valley titans like Bill Gates, Larry Ellison, like Sergey Brin, like Mark Zuckerberg, all of these people who are censoring criticism of the government response, and at the same time raking it in the cash, turning their billions into hundreds of billions. As a result of the lockdowns.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. You know what? I'm I'm surprised that we have what seems like every civil rights organization has gotten on the vaccine bad wagon. You know, thinking about the
1: ACLU, even the ACLU. Yeah. Exactly, ACLU is giving its human rights award to Tony Fauci, who just demolished our Constitution. The ACLU has become a joke. And when I was younger, the ACLU led the battle to, you know, at the Nazis march in Skokie, and they said that what the Nazis are saying is reprehensible. It's repulsive. It's abhorrent to every decent American. But we need to die for their right to say it because that's who we are. And now the ACLU is leading the battle to demolish the Bill of Rights, and particularly the First Amendment, the right to freedom of speech. The ACLU is behind it. All the old civil rights groups are all part of this process of your vaccine and do what you're told and be obedient and don't disobey. And, I mean, you know, people, the reason people are not vaccinating is because they're reading data. And the reason they're fighting masks is because they feel manipulated. They're not being shown science. They're just being, oh, people know the difference between leadership and bullying. One request, one thing that I have each and every yes
0: do is kind of give the Hidden Gateway listeners advice, something that they can take with them going forward. I like to call it the token of love. And if you could just take a quick minute to, to share something with the here's,
1: here's what I'm saying, okay? We need to resist. And we need to stop them. We've got to stop. And, you know, this is the hill we need to die on. And what I would say to your listeners is you need to start engaging in civil disobedience. Uh, we're marching on the street. November 3rd is the worldwide walkout. You know, all in sick. Take the day off. Do whatever. Join us on the street. when it's on the barricades. And then every day you need to commit a civil disobedience. How do you do that? Do it gently, peacefully, but tell a store owner. If you make me show a vaccine passport, I'm not coming in here. Right. I'm going to tell my friends not to come in here. If you segregate us, if you practice discrimination, we are not going to patronize your establishment. Talk to somebody, a friend, uh, who, who doesn't agree with you and ask some questions. How can a vaccine that doesn't prevent transmission stop a pandemic? Ask some questions. Challenge their belief in
0: a gentle way so that they can hear you. Thank you very much, Mr. Kennedy. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Stay positive, stay questioning, be loved and be free. Thank you for everything that you're doing, my friend.